0: Co-writers and co-stars of Mouthpiece, Patricia Rozema's screen adaptation of their acclaimed Nightwood Theatre stage play, the movie premiered at TIFF last fall, was selected for Canada's Top 10 in December, and is now playing in Toronto at the TIFF Bell Lightbox and in Los Angeles at the Lemley Monica Film Center. If you haven't seen it, you really ought to. It's terrific. Given the nature of their film, it felt right to ask Amy and Nora to pick a movie together. And they chose Grey Gardens, the 1976 documentary directed by Albert Mazels, David Mazels, Ellen Hoved, and Muffy Meyer, that embeds us with Edith Ewing Bouvier Beale and her adult daughter, Edith Bouvier Beale, Big Edie and Little Edie, in their decaying mansion in the Hamptons, where their aristocratic status as cousins to Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis and their codependent nature have combined to create a kind of toxic seclusion. It's just them and their cats and some raccoons against the world. And then they met the Mazels. You know what happened next. This is someone else's movie.
1: We picked Grey Gardens because, well, because we were both of us were picking a film. If we were individual, we might pick different things. But together, when we were writing the play, uh, Mouthpiece, actually before the play was called Mouthpiece, when it was just a play about female relationships, and we wanted to try to capture all the different ways, the different, the the beauty and the ugliness, the dark and the light of mother, daughter, friends, sisters, lovers, the different kinds of female relationships. We drew on this quite a lot, um, both for its relationship between the Edies, but also also because the way we make theater, we don't rely, we don't lean really heavily on a linear narrative. Mm. We look at it more as a crystal, so it's many things. And you see it in this documentary. It's just kind of all at once and before you know it, you know these women, but nothing's really happened. (laughs) And so we like to approach uh, story creation in that way, and so we kept looking back at how this was made. And we often look at music and cinema rather than other theater when we're writing plays. Um, But this relationship between mother and daughter, it's so extreme, and you kind of can't believe it's a documentary. The characters are so huge and this, like, incessant, over and over, one wants to leave and the mother won't let her go, but they also need each other, is so familiar, but it's pushed to this grotesque... You can't believe... And, you know, of course, they speak in this kind of romantic... Um, like they're speaking... Like, like they're speaking lines from a film or something. Yeah. Even the tone of their voice. Well, I never... And, and, I don't know, like, I, uh, I don't know, like, he's I he's like, I yeah.
2: mad about uh, oh.
1: that. Uh, is the, the mob, what is it? The, the phone, what is it? The marble phone the marble is phone. here. The, and then she gets right up close to the camera. The marble phone is, yeah. is whatever she says, she's like, he's coming closer, he's taking my books and things. It's it's like they're writing, or at least literally is is writing a drama for herself, I don't know, anyway it's extremely theatrical and kind of larger than life, even though it's a documentary
0: yeah, it um, I had forgotten how chaotic it is, just rewatching it again last night, it's it's like you're trapped inside of a psychotic episode, because mm-hmm. they're arguing with each other about things that we have no context for there's no reference for it, but you're right, the music of their dialogue, I was gonna I said dialogue, but it's it's not it's just it's monologues it's, over
3: top yeah, of each other. It's yeah it's a
0: dueling yeah. um it's dueling narcissism it's it's the fascinating codependency and you start to hear in the rhythms of their arguments you start to hear what they're really trying to say mm-hmm. uh which i think is basically just pay attention to me and and they both want it and they can't ask for it so it becomes this endless array of slights and and Imaginary offenses, and then it gets more complicated with little Edie clearly trying to come on to David Maisel's, which becomes its own horrifying yeah. car crash. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. you know, your first instinct as a documentarian is to take yourself out. I mean, it used to be anyway. That was the that was the rule they operated under. There, they never spoke to the, to the subjects, and it was all verite and and, and direct address occasionally, but they would not be interviewing people on camera and then you can start to, you very quickly hear yeah. the measles, and David's increasingly uncomfortable and it's, it's like nothing else. Yeah. Well, yeah, when did you two first experience it and when did you first see it?
2: I first saw the movie when I was living in New York in my early 20s and I was passing the IFC okay, and there was a huge lineup outside of it. And I had I looked and saw on the marquee it said Grey Gardens, I'd never heard of it before and, but there was this massive line so I was like, I'll just go see I love the IFC, I'm just gonna go in and watch it. And it ended up being that um, Albert Mazels was there.
3: Oh wow. And
2: he did a talk afterwards. And I was stunned by the characters. Just the character study alone. Even if you don't look at the documentary making and the implication of them being in the film of the documentary makers being in the film. It's an incredible character study. And I don't remember a lot of what he said afterwards, other than I remember him talking about how bad the house stunk. Yeah. And how many times they had to leave to throw up (laughs) while they were making the documentary. Especially, like... They kept offering them food, and you see it yeah, a couple so times crazy. in the documentary. The pâté and,
3: pate and, the, and crackers. the crackers.
2: And and they offer them to the, to David and Albert, and I think there's a third guy with them sometimes.
0: Yeah, they had with a The boom operator.
2: And, uh, and he was talking about how they couldn't say no often, and they would take these things and leave the house and have to throw up Ugh. what they just ate because it was just, like, cat shit and raccoon shit and... Every like you see the bed, it's just like the
1: corn on so the bed. This part is like I can't, unbelievable. I can't, I hate so much the cats. All the newspapers all over the bed, and the cats on the newspapers. And then what's the what's the kid's name who keeps coming over Jerry. the marble farm? Jerry, yeah. he's over there, and Big Eddy is cooking corn from the bed on a little hot and it's lying down, bar. and she's Hub. got the butter, and it's like oh wow yeah. And I think there's something about this incestuousness and this relationship that is, as I said, like there's something familiar about it, but it's pushed to an extreme. And even the way little Edie, like, <laughs> it feels, like, and she even says it, and I feel like a little girl, mm-hmm. and mother treats me like I'm a brat, or she, or she big Edie yells from the back br- background, "You're, a, I think you're a little brat or something," but she. She reminds me of myself as a child, and I think a lot of little girls used to put towels over their head like they had long hair, or I did anyway, and pretended I have long hair. And, and uh, she makes up, the, invents these stories, and the, from under the window he proposed from aunt she keeps repeating like these romantic ideas that may or may not be true yeah. but it reminds and she sings and I used to sing like that as a little girl like out of nowhere interrupting mm-hmm. and the mother going sing us a number it reminds me I then when him, she
2: does sing she's like it's horrible, horrible. <laughs> you're a horrible singer she can't yeah. actually sing well. she's just not doing
1: it yeah. and I mean you see in the in the you don't you see it more in the film mouthpiece than in the play that these exchanges between mother and daughter, these kind of like, as Patricia calls it, crimes, small crimes of the heart, are are present in every mother and daughter um, relationship. But in this version, it's just pushed so that little truth is pushed to a extremely uh, compelling and hard to look away kind of. It's almost unreal. You can, you hardly believe it, but it's very very real for them.
2: I was watching it just the other night. To remind myself, with two friends who'd never seen it before.
0: Oh, how did that go?
2: They stopped halfway and were like, "This isn't real. <laughs> these are this. These are actors. Like this can't be, These can't be real people." There, and part of it is the way that little Edie speaks. Like she says, she says the thesis of the movie. It's hard to keep the line between past and present, mm. and that just comes out of her, as if there's a script. But she's, she's so smart. She's so literate. She reads. Like, she writes that Robert Frost quote on the wall. And, like, she's considering whether to write that one or the other one. What, what, something like, we come as water and we leave like wind. Or maybe it's the opposite or something like that.
0: No, I think that's right.
2: And it's, they, were, they were just having such a hard time believing it wasn't a setup.
0: Yeah. I mean, she is performing oh yeah. She's, yeah. they're both performing for the camera and Big I e, I don't think is aware of it as, as much yeah um and it is it's just it is I, I, I cringe when I watch it yeah. because these are just it's like an archaeological find it's mm-hmm. like they stumbled across yeah. the, I love the, the setup of those time. yeah the, the setup of the news articles at the very beginning that sort of puts them in context while they are Jackie Onassis's family oh. or Jackie Bouvier um But they're also recluses and they've been cast out by society and everyone is trying to get them to leave. And, you know, if you if you if you're setting up a a comedy or a drama, that's how you start You establish the (laughs) premise. But for a documentary, did you say we found this little tiny sliver of former wealth, former Mm -hmm. privilege and people who've clearly never considered the possibility that this isn't a tenable situation that, that, that they shouldn't be living like this. They just, it started and it never stopped. And so now they're hoarders and now they're, they have animals running through and now they, the raccoons are taking over and they are conducting themselves with this weird formality in this, this mid Atlantic presentation of, you know, of hot tour.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I probably mispronounced that, but they're, they're refusal to acknowledge that. I mean, it's, it's the definition of insanity, right? If you, if you, Right. Don't if you do the same thing over and over again expecting a different result but also the absolute refusal to acknowledge squalor or, right. or decline and it somehow isn't tragic which is the thing I don't understand
2: <laughs> I find a bit well, it's of tragic sad. I, mean, it's, it, it's I quite find sad. quite I find but like I was thinking if that was made today I think we'd all have a problem with it I think we'd feel Going like the
0: two men yeah.
2: coming into the house of these women who clearly have some actual mental instability,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and and flirting with them and staying around and then putting it on camera. I think there's a there is like a there is a level of exploitation that at the time because it's like an archaeological find, it feels okay because it was at a time when. The conversation was different, but I think I think they do There was a lot of back. Yeah, there for was sure, a problem. But us watching it now, there's less. It's like, wow, look at that. If it was made now, I'd go. I don't want to see that because I find it problematic.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've seen documentaries like that fairly recently. Yeah, where, like, advocacy documentaries hmm. that are just so committed to telling a specific or not committed to telling a specific story, but so committed to. Um, illuminating a situation that they just steamroll the lives Mm -hmm. of the people involved in it and other ones that handle it really really well and are made with the consent and cooperation even of of the family there's one that uh came out of australia it was at hot dogs this year called in my blood it runs where the filmmaker effectively gave the family she was studying directorial uh, co-credit and gave them cameras and let them shoot stuff and unfortunately it doesn't pay off it's very clear that she was trying to get something that isn't in the film like some incident or some moment that just didn't happen but it's still it's it's more interesting as a sociological document than it is as a a narrative documentary Mm -hmm. and and gray gardens which has no narrative i mean it's it's when i say it's not a tragedy i think I mean that the film never feels like you're supposed to pity them or it doesn't Mm -hmm. lean into it. It doesn't tell you how to feel. It just presents this symbiotic parasitic relationship, this codependency and, and it's functional. Somehow that's the the thing that fascinates me that they aren't institutionalized or, or uh, arrested or dragged out. They're left there by the, by the community, which clearly has decided it's easier to leave them to their own devices than it is to get in there and interfere but yeah. it's and they're not like they're not sick they're not they, they they seem to be immune to whatever toxins are in the animals because <laughs> yeah. raccoon feces is like it's yeah. legal if you touch that you have to boil your hand
1: yeah um, she feeds them up in the attic yeah Wonder crazy
0: yes an entire loaf of wonder bread because yeah. they're her friends now yeah
1: I don't think... Is that ever explained? Like, she doesn't no, say... No, there's no... Here's said why it. or anything. She's just meeting the raccoons. Yeah,
0: they complain about them at the beginning. Yes. Yeah. She's, she's complaining about the hole. Yeah. And then, at some point, the raccoons just become part of their ecosystem. Uh, and the, I'm assuming they're killing the cats. We just never see it. But it's... It's I read
2: I read an article about... So, you know, in the beginning... They have all those news articles about the previous cleanup. Mm. And this is the cleaned up state. Yeah,
0: this is the new... And in
2: the previous cleanup, someone who witnessed it accounted that there were thousands and thousands of bags of trash removed, including many, many cat corpses. This is always like the way piles of cat corpses. Yeah. So this is, like, mm. this version of them living in their house is actually very respectable. Yeah, yeah. Comparatively. And you see it also when the... Uh, family comes yeah, over. Yeah, when the
1: family comes over.
0: It's so... Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> That's... By that point, we're invested enough with, with the Edies that we're, yeah, on, we're the on the side. side. so yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just...
1: Laying down um, yeah. newspapers so they don't sit on the filthy chair. Yeah.
0: Which, again, completely reasonable.
1: <laughs> that is part of it. You're on their side. You're on Edie's side when she's dancing, for example...
0: Oh, the thing with the sparklers re- and the flag. Yeah, yeah, you
1: you don't want it... You want it to be good, and you don't want to be embarrassed for her, and you don't want her to be embarrassed. You want it to be okay.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, I wonder if it affects... Because I think I watch it now knowing... um, I believe that they were ha- both very happy with the documentary and loved that it was made and loved the fame. and.
2: Yeah, Little Lady went on to do her own show on Broadway and was like so proud of the
1: I wonder if that affects that I'm more okay with it Mm -hmm. and then I can just well they liked it they they
0: right it's legacy is ultimately positive nobody sued anybody over it right they loved it how they portrayed and they're certainly happy to be in front of the camera Uh, or well little Edie is and Mm -hmm. it's like clearly what she all she wants yeah Yeah. Yeah. right
1: yeah she could have been a star yeah she could have star in New York. I mean, largely, it seems like it's failed glory. This the, the narrative is what's there is that she could have, she could have, could have would have. Right. The two sort of failed. Well, I guess the Big Eddy cut sort of doesn't admit. She just says she was the happiest thing, and her kids yeah. are amazing, and That's right, she, she had knows. the best life, <laughs> best she life, has nothing <laughs> to complain about. Um, but that battle over it's. I mean that's really an interesting part as well as what's true or who the claims that her mom pulled her out of New York and Biggie denies it for some time. But then there is a time. Well, then there is a part where she does say, "Yeah, I didn't. You were getting wrinkles on your face, and it was time to pull you out." And then the failed uh, engagement or proposal oh, yes. and all that. It's hard. It's hard to know what's true.
2: And Little Edie says, I had to come home because I was sick of worrying about you. Mm-hmm. I find there's also maybe what is beautiful about it is that there is a lot of love between them, even if it is chaotic yeah. and messy. They clearly have this very deep connection that goes beyond what we can understand from the film.
3: Because mm-hmm.
2: they, express, they express beautiful things about each other in these offhand moments. Little yeah. Lady says at some point something like, she is really great. She is really great. I hope she doesn't die. Yes.
0: And Big Edie has the line fairly early on where she says she's been up there for 50 years and she can't bear another summer, but she has no intention of leaving. Mm-hmm. She complains about leaving, but clearly this isn't a person who's going anywhere. Yeah. And so they each have their own illusions about what's going to happen next in the relationship. And it's... And they somehow reinforce each other in subtle ways, and little yeah. ways, over and over again. I mean, cl- they clearly, yeah, they care for each other. Mm-hmm. And they are actually caring for each other in a literal sense mm-hmm. because there's no one else. And I mean, I mean, it could be 1973. It could be 1943. There's no yeah. sense of where it's or when we are. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's and been they been going speak on in that forever. Just
1: a general old-timey cinema yeah. language and voice.
2: And singing, the songs are all
0: antiquated. Antiquated, and yeah.
2: the way she sings.
0: Yeah, it's that mid-Atlantic, you know, Catherine Hepburn in the Philadelphia Story kind <laughs> yeah. of delivery, where yeah. everything is very arch, and yeah. you pull out yeah. your you pull out your vowels a little bit.
3: Yeah,
0: and it's it's uh, it's fine. We give no quarter. We give no quarter to anyone who comes <laughs> by to visit us. The raccoons are lovely this time <laughs> yeah. of year. and and
1: I think that helps yeah. a lot. I mean, if yeah. it was
0: just a it, like.
1: Canadian accent? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> impression. So impression like, would be less. Yes.
0: Yeah. So something like
1: staunch
2: woman.
0: Yes. Oh There's nothing
2: staunch. more than a staunch woman. Staunch. S T A U N C H.
0: It's like they're. It's like a testimonial somehow. They're they're constantly defining themselves for the camera and yeah. telling us who how, yes. how to see them and who mm-hmm. they are, and. I just yeah the, the the extra material on the on the Blu-ray it's uh, it's on the Criterion Channel I think as well you can pick through the documentaries if anyone listening wants to do that it is just this amazing luck of finding mm-hmm. something right. that no one mm-hmm. no one else would have even looked at mm-hmm. I think that's what's so so interesting about the Hazel's right. Choice salesman is a a movie about America you know in that way mm-hmm. it, it's about traveling salesmen tra- yeah. And, uh, and 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 what is now a vanished form of life, but this is this is sort of exactly the same thing, and it makes sense that they'd be the ones to make it, but just the idea of committing to being in in a place with these two women is Herculean. I I don't.
2: And apparently, they spent a year before they shot getting to know them before they brought the camera in. It's, so they spent a lot of time. In this past. confuses
0: and annoys me. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Why? Well, just because the relationship is so transactional, right? I mean, right. Little Edie is so needy. By the time we see her, that I can only imagine she's calmed down a bit in the in the year right. they spent together. Yeah. She would have immediately been, you know, right. full see. bore uh, seeing this as her shot.
2: Yeah. That's
0: yeah. How can you? How do you research? And she something?
2: zooms in on David so specifically. It's yeah.
0: Like, there's she no knows. one else in the room. Yeah. She always finds his camera.
2: She comes so... The yeah. proximity to the camera with him is so... In, it, it, like, leaves you feeling a little uncomfortable. She comes yeah, comes into him.
0: Yeah, I've never seen it in a theater, actually, now that I think about it. What is that like to see?
2: It's uncomfortable yeah. because the chaos, the sound, when they're talking over each other, if it's, like, really big sound, it's, it does make you feel like... Get out yeah. of! Let me yeah. out of here! There's too much, and let you feel you feel the filth, and you you feel their um, her desperation is pretty uh, uh, visceral. Mm-hmm. Comes through.
0: Oh yeah, I mean you can see it on her skin. Sometimes it yeah. just feels like this this kind of rosy desperate. Like the, like her heart rate is increasing. You can sort of yeah. see it as she yeah. blushes and yeah. and it's just. Yeah,
1: oh. she, she, you can see you're getting to moods as well. You see you're getting a bit riled up, and like in a feisty, cheeky kind of way. Mm-hmm. And she does, yeah. She physically kind of, she's gonna do something when she rips, and then she like rips the photo out of <laughs> her mom's hand. She yeah. gets in it
0: a... with that big grin, yeah, because she knows she's doing the wrong. Uh, that, yeah, it's like watching a four-year-old. It's like watching yeah, someone yeah. who never had to grow yeah. up. It makes me wonder what she was like in New York. And and me was too. she that entitled? Was she that?
2: Um, well, her mother was still sending her groceries.
0: Yeah. So, so sometimes... I have
2: a feeling she wasn't extremely... She wasn't ascendant. successful.
0: <laughs> yeah. She wasn't looking for... I mean, she, this is somebody who is constantly seeking an outlet. Mm-hmm. Uh, a way to demonstrate herself. and And I recoil from that in real life. A lot. Right. You know, we've all been to the party where there's that one person who just needs to be the center of attention, and for mm-hmm. whatever reason it's not happening, and he or she just tries harder and harder and harder. And uh, Edie just feels, little Edie feels exhausting. But apparently, um, in the in that John Waters camp thing, she becomes a an inspirational figure for people who, who've seen the film and, and feel that they can't be... Outer, open, or themselves in, in public, and mm-hmm. so that became a thing in the '70s and '80s. They became, you know, icons and avatars of, of uh, queer style. Mm-hmm. Somehow, yeah. Dr-
2: there's a lot of drag performances inspired yeah. by her,
0: which I, I get. It's that it's the performative thing, mm-hmm. right? It's the the, yeah. the expression of the true self, but the drag performances seem to find her a lot sweeter and less needy than she seems to be in the film and mm. it's like they took the wrong message away from her, which enabled her further, which kept her pushing and pushing and, and trying to I mean, I know that the, the Mazels were the ones who were primarily involved in the HBO adaptation and I know, but the Beals were I think Little D was consulted or something. There's some there's some weird credit about the the, the film that was produced in the the early 2000s mm-hmm. if I've got that right with with Jessica Lange and Drew Barrymore yeah. which it feels like have you guys seen that? Mm-hmm. it feels like a much softer version of this because just the fact that you know it's that classic thing it's what Kubrick said about making a war movie you're going to glamorize it even mm-hmm. if you're trying to make the most horrific anti-war thing possible just because you're yeah. casting movie stars and making it look great mm-hmm. and I mean I know Patricia Rosimo wrote that or co-wrote it um and I'm going to talk to her about that at length, yeah. I guarantee it. But, uh, but it is such a weird transition to have something this outlandish and unbelievable be repackaged into a more palatable version, which is thus only enjoyable by people who are in on the joke already. I think. I may have, I may have gone around one too many corners on that. <laughs> but it's, it's this weird puzzle box of... of yeah. Of need and, and despair or, or repressed despair. Because they won't... Neither of them would ever tell you they're not happy. They'll tell each other constantly. But they won't tell the camera.
2: They'll blame each other. Yeah. yeah
0: And then to see it become a zeitgeisty thing and become right embraced by a uh, part of the culture that they would have nothing to do with themselves. Mm-hmm. I find that fascinating.
2: I was talking to my friend who was watching it with me and she said, you know, my grandmother... She didn't go into a home, and she lived in a house, and sometimes the dog would pee on the carpet, and she didn't have the mobility at that age to, like, find it and clean it up. So we'd come over, and the house would smell like dog piss, and the Edies, it feels like it's just pushed just over the line of, like, what something that you or I could know in our family. Sure, yeah. You know, it's not... It's not that far beyond what is, you know, someone who's trying to just keep going themselves and doesn't have the facilities to kind of make it socially acceptable or comfortable for other people, but they live in their own Yeah, she said also she used to write all over shoe boxes and mm-hmm. whatever she could find and they would come and find her notes everywhere and you know, it's it they th- they feel very extreme, but they're actually just like kind of a fraction beyond yeah. what may be really, really normal. And
0: yeah, I mean, it's just what happens without supervision, yeah right without the it's the it's that thing of the uh, the expectation that there will always be a best friend or a, a, a niece or somebody who comes by and says, "Oh, this is terrible. let's right. let's clean up." We see it in every movie where you right. need to see how badly someone's been living, and you get the external perspective yeah. And here, the movie is the external perspective. Yeah. Like the mazels are the ones commenting on it without saying anything. And this is what happens when you've been steeped in your own habits, I guess. And mm-hmm. neither of them cares enough. But what's the cell? The, the cat's going to the bathroom behind my portrait.
2: <laughs> at least someone's doing what they want to do. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> They're all okay with it. They're weirdly yeah. fine with this. Yeah. But yeah, the ammonia. Alone. Maybe the ammonia keeps the <laughs> raccoons back. There's got to be some...
2: And she benefit. says at one point, I like the smell. Keeps me strong. Is what she said. Something like big Edie.
0: Yeah, it it's like smelling strong. salts. It keeps her. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure. Uh, you get older, you stop smelling stuff as much, I suppose. <laughs> maybe. And you know, maybe she's got cataracts and doesn't see how bad things are. But then there's little Edie who's yeah. living in this at a, a a different register. She's she has made the conscious decision to continue this this lifestyle, yeah. right? She's yeah. the one who could leave.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting, I find it very interesting to examine that the relationship of, in this case, it's the mother who says one thing, like even in the example of you have, she has a beautiful singing voice, it's more beautiful than mine, and then she sings and that's awful, she keeps singing, that's awful, that's not how it is, no, no, wrong, wrong, wrong again, similarly, she wants her, why don't you just get married, why don't you find someone and get married but then with the other hand says you know some sort of insult or you can never leave me mm-hmm. I find this push and pull so fascinating and it's and there, it's a refrain that just keeps getting repeated over and over and mm-hmm. argued about it's amazing I mean of course this is edited but that that refrain is repeated in every location in every yeah. scene I wish I could get, get out of here and yet she doesn't
3: yeah
1: and to and again, just the fact that it's a documentary—that no one's feeding them the lines—and I, do, it doesn't feel like the Edies are aware that this is, you know, this is the underlying theme we're gonna push, pull through. <laughs> this what it, it's just what's on their mind at yeah. all times. I could have been this, and yet, and yet not going for it, you know. And this is such a thing as when I mean, so many of us have that, you know, regret or. If, if I'd only but I guess for her she feels it's too late she's not jumping for or she's just scared you know that yeah. idea of not. and
2: she does have, she does have the responsibility of her mother it's a real thing she's, she's well she's choosing
1: that. Yeah. she's choosing to have that responsibility
2: yeah there's also two brothers and yeah. where the hell are they who,
1: who, <laughs> they, who the big idiot doors has no problem I with know. the boys
0: yeah it's funny they, they don't have as much well it's not funny it, it's not, yeah. You mentioned the editing, and yeah, it's absolutely a constructed film. So we're we're not seeing things. I just assume that the brothers didn't want to participate for whatever reason, and possibly because they have tried to help and it hasn't worked, or it's mm. easier, or maybe they are still successful and and they're the ones feeding them money, and that's what's keeping all of this going. Because they don't seem to have an, a source of income. They, there's just this strange existence where they own the place but they someone must be paying the property taxes. It's mm-hmm, gotta right. be it's gotta be sustained somehow.
2: And someone's in the, the grocery dropping off groceries. Yeah. yeah.
0: Which are either, you know, like that there's a benevolent association somewhere that's taking care of this these strange people on the on the on the fringes, right. or they have an arrangement with someone that is uh, is completely unexplored. Yeah, I mean how do you how do you handle that when you are someone who is world famous and you have effectively You know, insane relatives who are on the verge of homelessness all the time. Do you support that? Do you do your best to distance themselves? I mean, clearly,
3: I
2: think. I mean, from what it seemed from all those old news articles and things, she did. She did put in an effort when it when she felt like oh, it's really getting to the edge. Yeah. She also had her own shit going on. Yeah,
0: no kidding. (laughs) Really, seventies. And what do you? You know, and what is what was the the, the media landscape like then? Because clearly, it's like the yeah. the joke about you win an Oscar and now you know what the first line of your obituary is going to be. No matter what, that's the thing that will define you. So the fact that they are related to Jacqueline yes. Bisset yes. yeah. yeah. is going to define them, but yeah. it's also going to define her. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, just the sense that they're trying to do this this fashionable presentation or what they think is fashionable to them. or what will appeal to us I'm just every time I watch it I'm I'm fascinated by the fact that they thought going in front of cameras was a good idea Mm -hmm. and that also Mm. going in front of the camera was a good idea because now we know them yeah it's narcissism is one of those things that absolutely fascinates and repels me in equal measure Mm -hmm. um Obviously, I'm like I'm a writer. I got into this because I figured my whatever I was saying was important enough that it should be published and put out there. So I I, I guess I recognize some of it in myself, but just the sense. But this that, is a
1: craft.
0: I mean, sure.
1: Because, but what I think what you're I mean, what I hear is is like putting yourself putting a video of yourself doing something that's unpracticed on YouTube, for example. Okay. Yeah. This this is not practice, they're just putting themselves... They're just allowing themselves, warts and all, to be in front of the camera. And that we see a lot of today sure. versus, grown, you know, 20 years ago or even fewer years ago. Mm. That I find, I find, I have to grapple with often. <laughs> I mm. mean, it's not my generation particularly, it's one right after. Yeah. Who have no shame and have no problem. Uh, I mean, you carefully craft and use your skills to write something and then edit it over and then decide to publish it versus kind of letting everything just... A- mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I guess. I mean, there's still a performative aspect, I guess, in, in what I do, but... I mean, what is this? But, you know...
1: Sure. These conversations
0: yeah. are important enough that I'm going to sure. put them into the world. Yeah. But the... Yeah, the deals the at least are being mediated... They're, they're working with consciously or unconsciously they're working with the measles and it's, <laughs> this is a, a study right. that will be filtered and refined and, and collapsed into 90 minutes and I get the feeling they would have been perfectly happy if this had never ended yeah they would be reality stars right. I think right. Roger that's Ebert true. actually said this that was his argument that it's this was true. the first example it's of reality, reality television TV. that's
3: yeah.
2: interesting yeah. in
0: it's that interesting. they don't understand the contract yeah. that the ramifications yes. of what they're doing
2: it's the thing yeah. itself that is That's the possibility. Comparison. They also are steeped in Hollywood mythology. Like, they're both mm-hmm. raised believing that they would be famous for their singing or their modeling or their face. or Soft shoe dancing. Soft yes. hands and soft shoe <laughs> dancing. They're not just everyday people who never had anything to do with being watched. They both were in the spotlight. She was a model, right? She was a the model, lady? yeah. And and a singer and a dancer and yeah. all the things <laughs> claims to be. But, but I think that that kind of belief in the fact that they were worth the spotlight wasn't an accident. I it
1: think also it. they felt they could not do anything else as women yeah. in that oh, time. For sure. You know, it is oh, yeah, like, yeah. I chose, I went to school, I went to a certain school because I thought my father would approve of that school and I took the courses I thought he would approve of. Yeah. And then, going into dancing and singing, and she, he had even opinion on what she wore, hats and things he yelled like that. Yeah, Wonder about
3: that. So I mean,
1: <laughs> there's not much, there's not much spoken about Mr. Beale, other than he was a wonderful husband and
2: who mysteriously <laughs> came with some fake Mexican divorce papers right. and married right. some someone else. And and, and uh, you know verbally abused his daughter.
0: I believe that. <laughs> from yeah, from who the from who the Edies are, I definitely believe yeah. it was an unhappy household yeah. and maybe that's part of it too that they're they've rebuilt a happier world for themselves now that just no one else can understand
2: what it was before yeah
0: yeah they, they've re, they've recreated a domestic. Reality where nobody, where the only people yelling at themselves are themselves. Like yeah. they have the control over that. Yeah. And maybe that's why they shake it off so easily.
1: And they definitely, I mean, it opens on her, dis- on the lady describing all of, you know, this is the outfit for the day. That's right. Because uh, very much against, or everyone else is very much against them, that no one else understands. Even the gardener, she's like, is it okay that he saw my outfit? No, you don't understand. Mm-hmm. They don't know. In they're, East Hampton, they'll you for wearing yeah. red shoes yes. on a Thursday. On a Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is us and them.
0: It's like the beginning of an Esca Fitzgerald. I
1: know, <laughs> absolutely. It, and I, I, she, I think she's totally aware of that. She's narrating as though it is the opening of an Esca Fitzgerald novel. She, she's aware of this, yeah, how she comes off as a, as a character.
2: But what you were saying about that being the only option for them because they were women does feel like the other part of the sadness to Mm. me, is that they were trapped by circumstances. They were both ambitious, smart, talented people Mm -hmm. at a time where women weren't allowed to do anything.
0: Yeah, especially if you were in society.
2: And then they got ostracized for being too much to handle because they were women with opinions mm-hmm. they they both Stop. have a lot of opinions oh, that's what you said. so right? that's there what. is a sadness to seeing them so isolated because society at that time wasn't wasn't uh accepting of women with that much that much color in them yeah. and so it, it spirals into a kind of larger than life thing because they have no one to reflect it off of but it's sad to me that that you know, if they were alive today, they would probably be celebrated and Even. or have another op- opportunity to do put their their love of literature somewhere and their love of music
3: somewhere.
0: Yeah, it'd be like a hipster salon thing. People would just come with <laughs> field and rant about whatever book they wanted to talk about that week. Yeah, I could see that. They would. Be, I mean, now, sure, everybody becomes a um, a cultural figure. If they persist long enough, they just
2: you think they're, so? if they're
0: present in the landscape long enough. I think so. Yeah, I mean, and if
2: they're extreme enough,
0: yeah. So, if you're right. if you're big enough and you refuse to go away, Look at the eventually, well.
2: And he's the king of doing something wrong and then claiming he didn't do it. Sure. And just till his death, just that he did it the other day with it that nasty. should be working, yeah,
0: yeah. Somebody said in, it. Just works. Yeah. If you don't apologize, if yeah. you never acknowledge just that, lie. yeah. If you lie your way through it, if you if you never acknowledge that you're living in a hovel. Yeah. Surrounded by
3: cat
0: urine and raccoon feces, right. then you're a star. You're a bright shining star.
2: You know what I was and thinking about though, because I didn't realize there were also two female directors. Mm-hmm. There's four directors. Oh, the Mazel's brothers yeah. and then two women. And I didn't. I never knew that. And then I was like, it's interesting because I then I read that only the Mazels went in the house. The women didn't.
0: So were they more editorial? I guess directors? they must
2: have been more like assembling and looking at the footage and putting it together, but it would have been such a different movie if it was the two women in the house.
3: Yeah.
2: Like I think Edie and Edie would have just reacted completely differently because so much of it is about seduction and performance for the man that I yeah, I just wonder what the whether that was conscious on the part of the filmmakers or how that decision was made about who was going to be interacting with them? Yeah, and
0: I don't, a, I don't know. But how would it have been with women filming them? Would there have been rivalries or? or...
1: I I feel like that's highly possible. Yeah,
0: because Edie, little Edie, I keep saying Edie. <laughs> They're all Edies. <laughs> little Edie certainly feels like someone who wants her territory and yeah. would be and would be offended by someone she didn't think she could seduce. Yeah,
2: think yeah, she
0: could appeal to. Yeah, it's very
2: possible. I feel that's possible
0: because yeah, her flirtatiousness disturbing as it is is consistent like she it is it is a tactic she may not be doing it consciously but she is using a certain set of skills at the camera which again i mean i watched it on this screen and it was enough
1: I, i think also there's there's a certain set of tricks you can play as a woman you can like think you can anyway play on men versus you know a woman will see right through that so and flirtation is pretty much. Is, I mean, it's a form of flirtation, but you see, you hear little. You just making stuff up, or I don't know. I just feel like if I were her, <laughs> I'd rather. I just would. There's be things I wouldn't confess to a woman because I know she'd know she yeah. and and maybe that's for the sake of documentary. Maybe that would be interesting, and other things would have been opened up. But definitely, I think it would have been. It would be. It definitely changes it who who's who's behind the camera, man or woman, I think absolutely changes what comes out I think uh it's also this what we were just talking about in terms of Trump and lies. I mean it seems also like I wonder how much of this the the folklore of their own lives they've just repeated because there's so much repetition yeah. so many times that now it's just a truth in their minds, like how many of these engagements? So the story of these several men mm. who are there's like this is scene where like the richest three of them are billionaires the <laughs> and like could have had him could have had him how many times it feels like it's that's the case it's just they've repeated it and in this language and in this melody uh yeah, that no, now the, they're
0: doing it for the camera yeah it becomes a story it becomes a, a legend
1: And I, in my own life, I sort of, you know, when that happens with two people, when you go crazy with someone else, that's when it's danger, danger bay, because, because, uh, yeah, you get no one else, you know, you go crazy together, together, then, you know, you back up the other's illusion, and it's, it's no good, (laughs) it's not good, but, and even so, even though they don't really leave the house, I mean, she goes to the, down to the beach, Right. But you don't see anyone around. It really feels like it's them and the gardener and Jerry. Even, even so, she refuses to wear glasses, so her eyes all messed up because she doesn't like the way it's not stylish. Right. And there, she's worried about her weight all the time. Mm. How am I going to keep the weight off? You gotta get. I'm
2: too close to the ice box. Gotta I get I out. Can't of, here. Rid of that ice box. I'm Too close to
1: the which is really sad it's really sad i find that extremely sad that even you'd think that that would be the time (laughs) you you know this sort of dream scenario for women well you sort of invent this like if when i'm this age and i'm in a
2: no one sees me in the middle
1: of nowhere in a house surrounded by vines then i can relax (laughs) right apparently not when just my mother's there <laughs> only well but there's cameras and men too <laughs> but i'm sure but i'm sure she yeah. thinks about it still oh yeah it's it's sad to me <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean
0: it's i am I'm, I'm coming around on the tragedy
1: side. <laughs> <clears throat> it's i, I know mean, what you mean though
0: they're haunting themselves in a way right they're they are their own ghosts already this mm-hmm. is what this is what they'll be like forever yeah. mm-hmm. but the fact that neither of them is lamenting it Yes, makes it somehow I can see how people would would see this as positive and I certainly I I don't view it as a comedy but it it feels like it's comforting somehow to watch them continue to function even if it is on their own limited terms
1: well I, I I'm somebody who rewatches movies a lot
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, the ones that I like and this is one that I watch uh, like I watch this and I watch like Altman movies because okay. I find them sort of if I analyze it, they're kind of similar in that kind of fluid nature. But
0: yeah, I watch activity this, and emotional volatility. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and that they are sort of like a crystal and Altman movies. There's a lot. this there's, there's a lot of different angles. Um, but I watch this as like a comfort. <laughs> so okay, what great. does that say? <laughs> I'll put it on and watch it. At, maybe it's because you can kind of dip in and out. But yeah. So there's some. I mean, I don't watch it to feel sad. I watch it. I don't know when I. Well, but, but isn't
2: that also partly the like there is a romanticism to it? The the language and the scenario there. And something you've seen many yeah. times already becomes a comfort. Know. It's like, something new you find every time. Yeah. In this
1: one. <laughs> I find.
2: And there's these like moments that are seemingly iconic, like her looking at the scale through the. Binoculars. Oh my God! We're reading the horoscope about the Libra Main. That's right. And they feel like something. It's I've also seen the movie many times, but they feel like something that are part of a larger cultural yeah. I- iconography. Mm-hmm. Even if you see it for the first time, I think it's like yeah, oh yeah, that it does. It feels like or her an dancing.
1: old movie. Yeah, feels like, but it's because they're recreating all that. Yeah, sort they've taken from all the things we know, and then are those living, living, <laughs> living images of <laughs> Hollywood you know. movies and radio and
0: Yeah, they're like the book people at the end of Fahrenheit Four Fifty One, just people who've memorized one book, and they are the book because the book has been destroyed, and that's <laughs> yeah. that is their purpose. They're yeah, avatars right. of the '30s, right? And yeah, The jazz age, maybe even.
2: Yeah, the records and the wealth.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but
2: there is a level of the kind of upper class American society that they carry Mm -hmm. in their vocabulary and the way they act that isn't reflective of their actual economic situation no
0: I've just now made the connection between this film and and what Catherine O'Hara is doing in Schitt's Creek and I can't believe it's taken me that long
1: (laughs) What you think? There's a direct line. Laura Rose,
0: her affected style of speaking. Yeah, I think so. Uh-huh. Maybe. I think she's probably. I mean, she's certainly you gotta seen ask. it. You it's gotta ask her. Yeah, Have you someday. interviewed
1: Heather? Uh A
0: couple of times over the years. Yeah. Most that's probably true. Frank and Weenie, I wouldn't be surprised because she's the only one doing it.
2: And they're in this like <laughs> kind of shitty old hotel where they right. right? yeah. faded, yeah, faded Fall glory. Of
0: fortune, And now that's funny hers
2: oh. and she speaks with a she does i haven't seen
0: it I don't know it's sort voice. of an it's sort of a, an antiquated um right brahmin sort of thing mm-hmm. i mean her, her her speech patterns are absolutely magnificent they're <laughs> drawn out again she's playing with vowels and things but she'll she'll do it with her whole face rather than yeah. just speaking yeah so yeah no i mean there's a reason she's won what four straight canadian screen awards for this role but yeah she's delightful but now i suddenly i'm i'm horrified that I missed that because it seems pretty clear to me. I'm bad at my job. That oh, makes no. me
1: want to see. Want, yeah. I want to see Kevin
0: here Oh, yeah. It's on Netflix. Just,
1: I know. It's like if candy. she puts a towel on her head, you'll know.
0: I oh, I don't know. <laughs> or or a the scene. nylons
1: over oh. the skirt. Yeah, or what with a... The pants how is that? Under the skit. The pants. Yeah. Like
0: that yeah. How, how, seems... how is that in any way? <laughs> help, help, help.
1: But it reminds me of being can a little take girl. Take it off and use it as a cape. As a cape, <laughs> right? I, you know, yeah, it is really. If play, it's playing, it's like
2: it, kids. And she refers to it as a costume, not a. This is the costume yeah,
0: for the it. day. Yeah.
1: It's very hard not to quote her, and yeah. imitate her. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yes, it's and you so never quotable. see her without it. I, I did find myself really scrutinizing it this time, just to see if she has hair.
1: You do see a bit of white. I couldn't tell yeah. if it was
0: a shadow the first time it's you see it.
1: There's a bit here. yeah
0: but that, that...
2: But she keeps saying, well, one day my hair will grow back. Yeah. But we don't know why. She,
0: p- she is it pica? No pica, no, that disease where you eat your own hair? I'm just oh trying to God. figure out Imagine if there's some
1: it. kind of weird inbred thing going do. on. Does she
2: have eyelashes? She yeah. She
1: does have eyelashes. She does. Yeah.
2: And eyebrows. But she did, maybe she paints them off.
1: Uh, they could definitely be painted. The mm-hmm. eyebrows for sure could be painted off. picture of them. But she's got eyelashes.
2: But it's nice that they don't explain. I mean, as a filmmaker, I think it's nice that there's things left unsaid that they don't draw too many conclusions because it just leaves it as a, a kind of document of what exists instead of,
1: making the connections for you. Like if she did have hair, way less interesting. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh sure. Yeah. (laughs) Just the fact that she has eighty-seven snoods over the course, and I know what a snood is because partially because of this, and partially because Kate makes them for the winter. But yeah, that's fascinating. That these are stylistic. Choices yeah. that will never be explained there. It's mm-hmm. like an archaeological date. We just found these people mm-hmm. living here. Behold.
1: It really feels like watching a child. Like, mm. when I watch three-year-old news, it's like, and this is, you know, it's all, it's all facts. Mm-hmm. And then you put this on top, and then this goes with this, and then that's how you, that's the outfit for the day. And it's ridiculous. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But that's how grown-ups act, right? That's how a child yes. would think a grown-up would act. This, this is mimicking. the way. <laughs> Have you ever seen uh, Jane Campion's first film, Sweetie?
1: No, Sweetie, no.
0: It's very much about this sort of relationship, but it's fictional. It's a, it's, it's about two sisters who are both, in their ways, deeply, deeply broken. One of them is a little Edie, uh, who is encouraged by her parents and has no, doesn't seem to have any actual ability to to harness her talent. She can't she does things but she can't express them in an interesting way she just performs mm. and her i think her older sister who's the one who's been thrown over in her parents affections for this the 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 monstrous sweetie is just this sort of sad sack who inhabits the world but doesn't enjoy anything because she doesn't know how to express emotions other than supportive empty supportive of sweetie it's it's Fascinating and horrible, and I'm pretty sure it's on the Criterion Channel. But it's just one of those things where I saw that in a the theater with an audience that did not know how to respond to it mm-hmm. uh, emotionally. What,
1: what was the what made them uncomfortable? Just
0: discomfort. It was. It was like sitting for 96 minutes of just discomfort. Like people just clenched their bodies inwards
2: because but of the way, way she's treating her sister, or well, because of the way of, she
0: because of the the disconnect. I mean, it, it's a slightly heightened film, and so it's got very bright colors and, and I, I want to say the music is semi-ironically happy but it's just this miserable family locked in a space where they're deluded They've deluded uh-huh. themselves and they're alone with their own delusions it's, it is it right, is the right. dark version of Grey Gardens if you can yeah, imagine such right. a thing uh, but because it's fiction, because it's drama they uh, Camping has the license to just really tease it out and make it as dark and tragic mm-hmm. as, as the Beals refuse to be mm-hmm Um, Maybe that's why I refuse to see Great Gardens as a tragedy, because I've already seen the tragic version, but it's a fiction. When was that made? 88, 89. It's, uh... Yeah, it's been released. I think I saw it, the last time I saw it was when it came out on Blu-ray, so maybe two or three years ago, but it's just... Oof. It's it's a gut punch.
2: But there is something to that that they refuse... They refuse to go there. Yeah. They do remain to the end. They remain optimistic in a very twisted
0: way. <laughs> yeah, no, they remain themselves, right? Like they yeah. don't. They don't
2: unapologetic.
0: They don't crack
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: for the camera.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: it's He's... true. They don't break down in any real way. Mm-hmm. So this is the the weird pivot in the podcast where I ask you guys if there's anything from Grey Gardens that made its way into your work, if you've absorbed or borrowed or referenced or stolen outright anything for for what you do
1: not, not, not in a stealing way not directly but that definitely fed I mean the play that we were writing it then became mouthpiece mm-hmm. so it's not directly in mouthpiece but everything we initially made fed into mouthpiece that we were trying to find the most extreme kind of push pull love hate pin you down and push you away um, relationships, so we 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 did draw from that quite a bit, and we know people in our have relationships in our lives, people we know who have similar relationships with their mothers or with their daughters, less extreme obviously than this because they live in the real world. Sure, yeah. But it's not so. If you essentialize what's going on here, it's it's not so crazy. You see it all around us. That, and I don't know the dynamic obviously as well. With fathers and sons, or mothers and sons, but the mother daughter relationship is fascinating. <laughs> yeah.
2: And I think also in the film of Mouthpiece, we did really, but the, it, I guess those are directly from our lives, not directly from great Gardens, but the, the moments where you're trying your hardest with your daughter or your mother and it still goes. Wrong or is in the exact does has the exact opposite effect of what you intended it to have, mm-hmm. which you see so much here. The kind of why don't you get married? She can never be a wife. At yeah. the same time, that you're that that we we tried to make very present in in the film uh, because it is such a complex relationship in. In our experience and in our being in the world with other people, with I'm mothers, sure, yeah. that that those layers of kind of there's a lot of beauty, but there's also a lot of heavy, dark
0: complication going on. Yeah, the conflict, I mean, I'm sure it's between any parent and child, but it does seem specifically heightened in mothers and daughters. The conflict always seems to be that the person who knows you best is the person you're convinced knows you the least if you're mm-hmm. the kid. Mm-hmm. and if you're the parent. It's simply a, an endless process of alienation and reconciliation and alienation. I mean, I'm sure that's—I I know that's the case with fathers and sons and, and mothers and sons, but it's just so fraught, and and then it's heightened by all the societal expectations, all the thi- all the roles that you're you're told you have to assume. I mean, that's kind of what we're seeing in great gardens right the beals are acting out the people they think they're supposed to be Mm -hmm. it's a performance of status and it's a performance of of um i don't know i don't even know what the other word is uh courtliness maybe some kind of weird in men it would be gallantry right and in in the beals it's you know they think they're convinced they're being good hosts Mm -hmm. right when they're clearly operating outside <laughs> the any corn reasonable, in the bed <laughs> yeah but like they're trying in their way yes to perform this role that's been laid out for them mm-hmm. and I think that in their case it's got more to do with societal expectations and the whole debutante thing that's yeah. long gone now mm-hmm. yeah.
3: yeah but yeah. is it long gone?
0: oh I hope so it <laughs> still
3: exists <laughs> in its still, different yeah, form. they probably different have them in forms. the south
0: debutante balls
3: yeah
0: but yeah, mouthpiece, the the film uh, I mean, the thing that strikes me about it is how fascinating it is, like it's a film about communication from someone who doesn't know what to say. but I mean, the character the, the script clearly knows where mm-hmm. it's going, but the way that we're brought into the story and the way that it it tells that story is just so like, powerful and simple and and the visual metaphor is great. and yeah. I just—I mean, I've, it's been a while since I've, I've been able to talk about it. And I saw it at Tiff saw it before Tiff, and just watched it again a little while ago. And it's, yeah, I'm not—I don't even get to review it. Glenn reviewed it for us, so yes. uh, this yeah. is the only chance I have. Yeah, to it talk came about out today. And, but yeah, I'm—I'm I'm delighted that it worked out as well as it did, and I'm so glad people get to see it.
1: Yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm very excited <laughs> to tomorrow. Yeah,
0: and then they can watch Grey Gardens if they want to.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: It's it companion
1: a companion piece.
0: Did you ever consider performing it in the Beale Voices? Just doing that piece. We that have, well,
2: we have like because the way that we work, we do through improvisation, and when we ha- we also work up at this farm that um, Amy's family has. It's like three and a half hours away, Oof. and I think one day we were like sitting in a bed together, and we were just trying to figure out how, who these characters were, and it was before we knew it was mouse piece and we just went on this improv where we were talking kind of like them and Pretty, we have very it on similar. we recorded it on <laughs> i
1: probably. have it it's
2: unlistenable and it's like three and a half <laughs> hours so embarrassing and we were just trying to create material you know so it's yeah. just us rambling and rambling in kind of Try eating me.
3: voices
1: <laughs> but that never got far if anyone that ever was got home, footage it, was it would very be, embarrassing. be real bad
0: supplemental feature Wow Commentary track Just get it out there Before someone steals it
1: Because it's uncensored And just rambling, On and all You know You try to like Find what the, what the different answers Of these women What do they feel About all these Different things And in that search It's just like Shut up <laughs> Usually people Throw out that stuff, But we, we have it In okay, case so There's some gem In there yeah.
0: So it is a form Of hoarding <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah Digital hoarding
0: My thanks to Amy Nosbaken And Nora Sadova co-writers and co-stars of Mouthpiece, which is on screens right now in Toronto and Los Angeles. Check your local listings. Thanks also to Allie LaMere. She knows what she did. Nora's not on Twitter, but you can find Amy at a anostbacken, all one word, and you can find Grey Gardens in an invaluable special edition Blu-ray and DVD from the Criterion Collection and streaming on the Criterion Channel. It's also available on iTunes and Google Play, though those services don't throw in the Mazel's 2006 follow-up, The Beals of Grey Gardens. And yeah, if you're on the Criterion Channel, check out Sweetie as well. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at nowtoronto.com. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, Cast, and on the web at someoneelsesmovie.com. If you feel like leaving a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy the show, that would be greatly appreciated. Every little bit helps, it truly does. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening. <laughs>